this is why people give up is because it, there's five phases. The first phase is uninformed optimism. A lot of times people are going to try something new and it's like, yeah, that's going to be exciting. That's going to be fun. Here's my New Year's resolutions, Chad. Here's what I'm going to do in 2021 that's going to make my life different and better. You're excited about it because you're making a good decision for yourself and you're fired up. But the second phase is informed pessimism. This is your third day at the gym and you're sore and it was- You're not seeing any results. Yeah, my God, oh my God, this just sucks, man. It's 5.45 in the morning, I'm tired. And like it's, it, you realize at first, you're like, oh yeah, this is gonna be awesome. This is gonna be my year. And then a couple, you know, a couple days or a couple weeks, depending on the person and you're like, man, this is, this is hard, man. Like this, this isn't fun, this sucks. And then the third phase is the valley of despair. And this is where people quit, right? They're just like, man, I'm not seeing the progress. I'm paying this cost. Like I'm, you know, man, and you're in that little voice in your head has been like, oh, yeah. you could be in bed right now, man. You, you could probably be. need a rest day. You should sleep in yes. anyway. Yeah. yeah, all the things is like, you're just, this ain't gonna work. Let's, Chad, this may work for other people, but it's not gonna work for you. This is just give up. Valley of despair is what gets most people. But if you continue going, so like up until that point, you're kind of like going downhill in a, in a bad way. But if you keep going, you start, you eventually start to see a little bit of fruit on the tree and then it's informed optimism. Now you're able to see like, Hey, I'm at, these things are working. It's a lead measure, lead measure and lag measure, right? Like you got to put in, you got to plant the seeds first. You got to cultivate the ground. You got to pour some water, shine some light before you can expect to reap any type of harvest. And so at a certain point you're starting to see like, Hey man, Look right there, Chad. Look at that soil, dude. I see something. Something's coming out, man. There's some. <laughs> something's happening. <laughs> you get a little, and you get in, you get informed, and you get optimistic because you see that the, there's there's gonna be some fruit on the tree. And then that fifth phase is success and fulfillment. It's where you're like, it's the end of the 12 weeks, and you're able to look back and see it was worth it. Hello, and welcome to the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast, giving you the tools to climb higher and faster than ever before. We are rounding out the first quarter of 2021. But as we step into the second quarter, perhaps you're finding yourself a little disconnected with the goals that you set at the beginning of the year. Maybe those dreams, those desires, those aspirations have lost a little bit of the emotional sparkle, the emotional appeal that they had when you originally set them. Well, guess what? There is hope for you. Please welcome our guest and our host, Josh Melton and Chad Brown, as they discuss a framework that they have implemented to help them stay true to their goals and to successfully execute on a consistent basis. And with that, I'll turn it over to our host and our guest, Josh Melton and Chad Brown. We are back today for probably the most exciting episode of the Entrepreneur Adventure our two guests today, that's right, we have two guests for you. Phenomenal content coming to you. I mean, one of these guys, he owns a ton of businesses. He's probably one of the smartest people uh, that I know is just out there making a difference, growing businesses, scaling. Our other guest, his partner, a leader of people, has grown a seven-figure business, uh, has put in time and effort growing leadership teams, that's better than any other business I've ever seen. The guy just continues to ask the right questions and challenge his partners, his team. An amazing group of guests we got for you today. I'm so excited to welcome to the Entrepreneur Adventure, 
Chad Brown and Josh Melton, welcome guys. Probably the best intro of all time. You liked that, didn't you? As well. I was like, oh, we have we have guests? I thought it was just me and you talking. We're here. It's and just the two of us, okay. buddy. In-house content for our audience today. I'm excited. <laughs> We're going to talk about some fun stuff. Um, I, I had a good time with the intro, so it you started off well the intro. so far. Yeah, man, great start. So we are going to talk about something today that has been incredibly beneficial for us as business partners and just as individuals with chasing down some goals and really being able to, to level up in different areas of life. So tell us about it, man. What is the uh, topic of conversation on the Entrepreneur Adventure today? Sir, as your host today, I'm going to educate you a little bit about what we're going to talk about. <laughs> uh, Josh and I both have plugged into a book called The 12-Week Year. And it's not only a book, it's, it's some implementation, some programs behind it with weekly scorecards and a process that we built through accountability. And that's what we're going to cover today. This book uh, we were talking about before the podcast. I don't know, Josh, if it's this is the best book I've ever read or this is by far the biggest impact I have personally seen from a book because I'm immediately implementing the things in there. What do you think? What's How does it uh turning out on your side. Right yeah, now. it's it's hard to say if it's just a this book's just easy to implement, like if it gives you some strategies or some tools that make it easier for you to just to get from, you know, from 0 to 60 or if it's just a lifetiming thing, you know, is this the right book at the right time? I really think it's probably a combination of both, but it asks questions in a way that you you can get early traction in getting mm-hmm. things rolling, which I think helps. So, give a little backdrop to this book. I was introduced to this book in the fourth quarter of 2020. Okay. When our buddy Mr. Rain Strider, we went to we went to coffee together. He hands me a copy of this book. He challenges me challenges me on some goals. He challenges me on some things that would spur me on toward mm-hmm. my goals. And uh, and I set a goal that I hit that I never would have hit without it. And it was basically utilizing the tools in this book to go from again so, zero to sixty and a goal that I had set that I was totally uncommitted to. So is this something that you planned? You said, "Hey man, let's have lunch," and I need you to bring some tools to help me achieve some goals or he just show up with this man book? i got a i got a text message on a thursday from rain <laughs> which by the way if you guys are familiar with the podcast rain's been on several episodes he's you know good buddy of ours he's um just a very successful guy so when rain sends me a text message it says hey can we grab coffee sometime i'm like yeah man i'm open, I'm open tomorrow and yep. so the next day it's friday we're doing coffee but right at like very first thing hands me a copy of the book hey man i want you to read this book and then we just go into a conversation but he challenged me again on some of my goals. Uh, he challenged me actually to up one of my goals in particular. Like, hey, well, why don't you make it a little harder and go after it? And again, great experience for me. I think I've talked about the podcast before, but I had a running and fitness related goal that Rain challenged me on that I hit that I just, I promise you, I never would have hit it had he not challenged me and gave me some tools to utilize to get there. So uh, that became, the book became immediately important because it could help me get to this goal and this challenge that I had set before me. And then as a result for me personally of reading the book, implementing the book, and succeeding at that goal, which was difficult for me, I just became this evangelist for it to the point where I've referred to this book more than any other book in, in the last several years. There's two books that may rival it to some degree, but this is by this still is like number one. It was the Traction. You know, we've talked about Traction on the yeah. podcast and Atomic Habits. Those are two awesome books as well for business people. But everybody I referred those books to, I went back and said, hey, the 12-week year will help you with traction. It'll help you with your with your team members and your employees who may, want, who may not want to read traction, but they may be having, having to exist in that EOS platform. As like in an Atomic Habits, I was like, this book is great as well. For if, if you're trying to build new habits, this is going to help you out. 
So we became so passionate about it that we actually run a coaching program right now that utilizes the book and the platform with Rain that's been a lot of fun. So let's talk about some of the things we love about the book, why it's been so meaningful um, for us. We are, both of us currently right now, like we're leveraging this book and the system that it teaches for our own goal setting, for our own strategic kind of development of who we want to be. So let's talk about it, man. What are some of your favorite pieces of the book? By the way, if you're listening to this, go buy the book. This isn't going to be a full like explanation of everything in the book. Me and Chad are going to highlight some of our favorite parts, some of the things that have triggered us in a meaningful way. That word trigger sometimes triggers people. This has triggered us in, into productive action for ourselves. So roll with it, man. Tell me what about the 12-week year has been the most beneficial for you or that got you rolling in the right direction? Yeah, absolutely. And it's helped me in, in a lot of different ways, and we're going to cover a lot of different topics on how this continues to dial in and, and make you more productive, not only in a 12-week year, but on a weekly basis and a daily basis. And that's the cool part that speaks to my personality. It gives me the tactics and tasks. And I run hard. I, I love business. I love goals. I love challenges. I run really hard in those directions. But when I look at that, I zigzag. I don't run straight towards the end zone. Man, I'm zigzagging everywhere. I'm going left to right. I'll run backwards 500 yards if I get to going in a certain direction. I'm really good at focusing and running, but I often focus on the wrong things, and I run all over the place. I get to where I'm going, but I've expensed a heck of a lot of energy and sacrifice to get there. This book helped clear all that up for me. It didn't try to get me to necessarily run harder or run less, it just got me running in the right direction. And, and so it starts by identifying, what do I want? What do I want in my life? What are What is my ultimate goal? What is my five-year plan? What, what do I want to get out of my life? And what is a win for me as I look at these different timelines of 10 years, five years, three years, one year, um, those things. I, I love resolutions. I love 30-day challenges. I, but I live in short term and I run really hard in those and they don't always line up with what I really want because I've never really focused or thought about it on those scales. This reversed that thinking and had me identify, okay, Chad, what do you really want? What's what's a life win for you? Let's identify that. Now let's break this down into the goals and the tactics that run towards that. And really, it comes down to combining maybe – it's interesting, Josh. It's it's probably 10 different books in one, in my opinion. It, it takes these really complex and complicated things that their entire book's around and it simplifies them all in this book. It's all helping you say no, helping you focus on what's important, helping you implement things, helping you become productive – helping you give you the tools you need to succeed and look after what you want or what's healthy in your life. And it just throws it all into a format. It's easy to read. It's easy to implement. It's easy to talk about. And it encourages accountability groups behind it. And so that's where it's it's like the perfect storm of a successful model for me because it takes what I love to do and what I'm good at and really points it in the right direction. And, and not only that, it keeps me there. It's, I feel like I'm – I'm bowling with bumpers now. Like I can't go in the gutter. Like yeah. It just keeps me straight down the lane. And I'm loving it. And I'm seeing in my journey, not only are we, we teaching a coaching program around it and we've been through some of these things, uh, in, in this season right now, I'm in week three of my 12-week year. I've accomplished more in these three weeks around my goals and what I want in life 
than I would have this entire year because I would not have been focused on it and I would not have built the weekly scorecards behind it. So that's that's where I'm at, and that's why it's been uh, so critical for me at this time and, and really so impactful of helping me focus and determine what I want and point towards it and go. Yeah, so it's funny, too, as you're saying these things. Naturally, you're a guy that you do – a great job of executing. I mean, that's like a, your number one skill set is that mm-hmm. like you just get things done. You're a task-oriented guy. You don't get emotionally hung up with the things that you're doing. You're just like, man, just put it in front of me. I'm going to plow through it. So that's a strength that you have. But like you said, that being said too, your ability just to execute, you may not be executing the right things. In the past, you might, I'm getting, you're getting a ton of stuff done all over the place. And this has helped you to focus more. And I think the big reason why, and again, this is to kind of tell you a little bit about the book, the name here, uh, not named anything that's very exciting, right? It's called the 12-week right. gear. You're like, oh, wow, like that moves me. It doesn't move you emotionally. It's called the 12-week <laughs> gear. But then the subtitle, Get More Done in 12 Weeks Than Others Do in 12 Months. The concept that the book is teaching us is that most people have this idea of an annual goal. And so as a result, they feel like they have all year to get it done. And they lose their sense of urgency with with days. So it's like, ah, it's easy to take a day off because you got 365 days this year. The percentage of a day off, like, oh, okay, I got to up my game 0.3% for the rest of the year for taking this day off. No big deal. Well, when it's 12 weeks, I mean, if you're talking about work days, it's we're talking 60 days here. So what can you get accomplished? So the biggest piece of it that's the challenge for people, and again, I'm a, I'm a lover of personal development, professional development, goal books. They all talk about what's your annual goal? I'm a big Michael Hyatt fan. I use his planners. What's your annual goal? What's your three-year goal? These things, traction's the same way. What's yes. your annual goal for a business? And this, these guys are saying there's this concept called periodization that athletes use it. In sports, they use it all the time. You go to a basketball game, you automatically know, it's depending on what level of athletics it is, they either have halves, is their first half and second half, or they got quarters for basketball, first, second, third, fourth quarter. Like They have periods. Sports have periods. Baseball, they call it innings. You know, it's just... That's what they have. And so they're saying, use periodization, like shorten it, shorten the goal. Now, here's the challenging part, Chad, is they say, flush the annual goal. It's not like run for 90 days, run for 12 weeks and see where you're at with your annual goal. They're like, no, what's your kind of three-year vision of where you want to be? Now let's create a 12-week plan to get us as far toward that as we can. And at the end of that 12 weeks, we'll reevaluate and it's Absolutely. like, it's, it's simple, but it's hard. And the whole idea is that when you're looking at 12 months of a calendar, there's a horizon there that you just can't see over. But if you're looking at three months of calendar, if you're looking at 12 weeks, then you can kind of see like, okay, I can have an idea of what I should be doing three months from now. But if you ask me, what should I be doing 12 months from now? It's hard for me to predict 12 months worth of activity, where my business is going to be, who I need to hire or fire at that point. But for three months... I got a much better grip on that. So that first concept of periodization, as simple as it is, it's it's a little bit of a mental or emotional battle because it goes against what you've been feeling or thinking or being taught your whole life. But I think that's what's been helping you, right? Is like, oh, tremendously clear on the take hey, twelve weeks, you're the winner or lose. This is your year. And, and not only that, dude, I'm in the middle of tax season. Oh, yeah. I don't have free time. That doesn't exist right now. And so to think about, okay, I'm going to try to accomplish uh, this twelve week plan inside of part of it being tax season, that is something that would give me stress and something that would would be a challenge I normally would not accept. But after reading the book, after getting excited, after seeing where I want to go, 
and really breaking it down into the steps that take me there and seeing uh, the biggest thing is just seeing the angles to see how possible this is. I, I, I'm thinking, okay, it's going to take me 10 years to get here. It would have with annual goals and with performing like I've historically performed in those areas. I set an annual goal. I crush it for the first two months of the year, uh-huh. and I crush it for the last month of the year. But March through freaking November, you slack off. You make excuses. You don't have to. Things are different with the 12-week goal. It took what I thought would take 10 years, and I'm seeing now or I may be able to achieve some things by the end of this year, man. Yeah. If nothing else, the end of next year. And so that's that's something really exciting. Um, it, it's helped point me in a direction there that's even during tax season, I've been able to facilitate some things. And you just – it builds that perfect picture of black and white of win or lose. I've got weekly – action items i got weekly tactics and if i don't score at least an 85 i lose i I have a test my test is what i've said i wanted to do every week my test is what i said i needed to achieve my ultimate goal in life and i either score an 85 every week and win or i score less than 85 and i lose so now i'm making the time during tax season to do these things because the visualization's there yeah the motivation's there i see what i need to do it's I don't know, it's, it's really uh, interesting how it's pulled a lot of things together for me and from a lot of different areas and just forced you to implement it. That's part of the biggest piece is implementation. I know a lot of us read a bunch of books, listen to a lot of podcasts like we're doing now. It's fun absorbing the information and craving the growth and education, but if we're not implementing it, we're not really accomplishing a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, and we don't implement oftentimes because we feel like we have time. We True. lie to That's ourselves. Yes. Hey, Chad, I got all year to do this, man. So, like, if I suck in January or if I suck in February, like, I'll just, you know, I'll double up in March and April. And I had a guy on my team after he read this. He's like, man, this is just – he's like, I just believed that things would come together at some point near the end of the year based on these random activities I was doing. And the book talks about that. It's like, hey, look, there's not some majestic – magic wand that's just going to touch down on your counter and near the end of the year and like catch you up on everything like make up for all the the wasted time from the previous whatever eight months or whatever it may have been right but we we do have this kind of like thought that something like walt disney's going to walk up and make something magic for us that fixes the problems we have things are all going to work out yeah it's all going to be fairy tale ending man it's meant to be it's meant to be Screw that. Throw that out the yeah. window. This is how you do it. Yeah, so dropping some urgency on it. So it does two things. And this is what I think. This is where it really helped me. But most of us don't have a very specific, clear vision of what we want to achieve or accomplish in the future because we have so many potential visions for what we could accomplish in the future. And we have all this time. And so my favorite part of the book, there's a chapter that says interest versus commitment. And for a whole year, theoretically, you could have a lot of commitments because you got all year, you got 12 months. And so really what it's helped me to do is it's helped me sacrifice some things that I'm interested in. It sucks. This, the, By the way, the word decide means to cancel something out. It's like to get rid of something. If I'm deciding, I'm choosing between one thing and two things, or you know what I'm saying, there's, there's two things or there's 30. If I go to any restaurant, when I make a decision – for my number one combo at Chick-fil-A every Friday, that means I'm saying no to everything else on the menu. So the interest versus commitment aspects is, well, okay, you got 12 weeks. You don't have all the time in the world. You don't have the whole year to do this thing. What do you want to accomplish in the next 12 weeks that will help you get 
to what your vision for your life is, or your main vision three years down the road. And it, make, it forces you into some decisions, which is difficult, and it's hard because, again, you have to decide, which means you have to kill off some things that you're not truly willing to commit to. You're just interested in those things. Well, I could be a, I mean, maybe I want to be a singer. Maybe I want to be a business owner. Maybe I want to be X, Y, Z, whatever, an athlete. Like when you're leaving all of these things as options, you're ultimately just not deciding. And so you're not going to make significant progress in any area. So my favorite part of the book is that at the same time, I hate it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's hard. <laughs> yeah. But it it does. It's like, look, Josh, you're either going to win or you're going to lose in the next 12 weeks. So you can't do 50 things. What are you going to choose? Let's choose three things. Let's choose a primary goal, secondary goal, third goal. Like, I think the book says you got what one to three or three to five things that you could probably make some move the needle on. But you just don't have enough time to get more significant traction beyond that. That's it. Yeah, I think the time is the key piece it recognizes. And, and for all of us, no matter what's going on in your life, the the time is your limiting factor, and and that's uh, the mental time, the physical time, uh, the logistics behind all of this. But really, if you focus on what you want and what do you want to accomplish in these twelve weeks, and you become committed to it and obsessed with it, everything else gets drowned out. Everything else comes after this, and I think that's the biggest piece for me is. This is what I want. This has helped me identify. This is what Chad wants, not what my job wants or not necessarily what a client wants or what my family. This is what I want, what, I, what I've identified is a win for me in my life. And that's pretty freaking important. And I've never put that first before. Now in this 12-week program, I'm putting that number one. I'm building it in my calendar. Historically, I have left that up to being the time I had available or the capacity I had after everything else. If I had a really busy week, if I was during tax season, I didn't have time to focus on things I wanted to do or things I wanted to accomplish. I reversed that role. And that's getting number one priority on my calendar. Not only that, it's getting number one priority when I'm at my best. My morning time spots where I perform the best, those are getting reserved for the things that I want. And interestingly enough, this is the way this works. It's, it's kind of like you and I talked about fitness uh, and business and the ripple effect. Somehow, some way, it's allowing me to perform better at work, have more capacity, serve clients better, make more money. I'm spending less time working, more time on these areas of focus I've identified, and it's all translating into performing at a higher level all across the board. Don't really know how that works. Don't understand why, but it's just like the fitness. If you spend an hour, take an hour out of your day to work out every day of the week, you'll perform better all across the board. You'll feel like you got more time than you ever have. Yeah, it's interesting. So this is uh, this next thing, which is a big deal for me with with learning, which you kind of know this already, but again, I think making it okay is intentional imbalance. So this principle of intentional imbalance. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people that are professional, they want their life to be balanced. So it's like, I just watch, you know, it, we kind of taught this idea that we're supposed to have this balanced, peaceful life. And what the author in the book says is like, no, you, you're, but what happens is for most people who are looking for balance. He's like, what's happening is that they're just not intentional about how their time's being sent, spent. So they feel like they're not balanced because they don't have a grip on what's going on in their life. They haven't probably decided on some things, you know, so they got all these interests to these things that are competing for their time because they haven't made the commitments necessary. And so the idea is that, it's okay if you need to be intentionally imbalanced in the area of your life. There may be times where you're like, 
I'm going to spend much more time with my family during this 12 weeks because my relationships are the most important to me. Maybe it's a summer, you know, and for let's, let's use an example, a school teacher. They're not working during the summer because they're off, right? At least a portion of the summer. Now, I'm, school teachers, if you're listening to this, you're probably mad at me saying you're still working, but it's not the same. Intentionally imbalanced, probably toward your family in that month, in those months of time that you have, that season of time. And vice versa, during the school year, especially in the beginning, you, maybe you're working a lot more. Maybe you're intentionally imbalanced then and you're not being able to spend as much time with your family. Most of us would feel guilty about that. I'm, hey, Chad, I'm not spending enough time with my family. So, well, no, it's just, that's it's okay. You're going to go through seasons of having to spend more time in certain areas. Your life is built around this. During tax season for years, you've had to spend way more time at work. Now, again, this year you've, you've changed some of that, but you're still working a lot. You know you're going to spend more, more time intentionally at work for the first three or four months of the year than you're going to spend in the second three or four months of the year. So the intentionality of your life not being perfectly balanced every single day, that's okay. It's okay to be imbalanced. It's just you need to have you need to do it with intention and not let it be just like external circumstances forcing you into it. It's like, no, you make the decision yourself. This is going to be a season where I'm going to spend more time at work or this is going to be a season where I spend more time in the gym. This is a season I'll spend more time at home. Whatever it is, whatever the time calls for, as long as you're the one who's making the decision because, again, it's your life, it's your time, and you are in control of it even if you don't feel like you are. And the great thing about it is you can do that for 12 weeks. Yes. You can't do that for a year. Yeah, you'll wreck right. yourself. You'll wreck your life. Uh, you just don't have the capacity to, to manage something for 12 months a year. But for 12 weeks, it is – 12 weeks go by like that for a lot of us. I mean, we look down and, hey, it's March, it's April, whatever. The year is going by way faster than you realize. And at this point, we're 12 weeks into 2021. So that time moves really fast. Um before we dive into really some of the hard details behind it, let's switch gears a second and talk about the other side of what have you struggled most with or what have you found most challenging in this process of implementing the 12-week year? Yeah, that's a great question. So like anything, um, I, I want to make sure people who are listening to the podcast also, also recognize this. Me and Chad are not coming to the podcast really as experts in anything. Like, you know, as we're talking, like we obviously have our expertise in our like specific niche of business that we're in. But when we're talking about things, we're like, failure first type people. And so, hey, we just are getting our hands dirty and trying to figure it out as we go along. So the 12-week year has been great for me because it's helped me succeed. But it's it's been a sloppy mess at the same time, man. So it's not like I'm up here teaching on it like, hey, I've fully implemented this into my life with perfection. It's like, no, it's it's been chaotic. But as I've leaned into it, the last quarter, again, I read this book in September, I believe, of 2020 maybe October. And I implemented it immediately. And I hit a goal for the end of Thursday. I hit a goal in January that I had set back then. So it was huge for me in that part. But the difficulty is that for me rolling into like kind of the first quarter of 2021 is, oh, let me re- let me set some different goals. Let me apply this stuff. And I just half-ass applied it. I didn't get it all set up the right way. And so I failed at some things or didn't, I say failed. I didn't get as much progress as I wanted. I didn't hit my yeah. goals the way I wanted to hit them because I didn't set it up right. So then I was looking back and saying, well, man, why did I crushed it at the end of 2020? How come I didn't crush it at the beginning? And I looked at it and compared the two and said, oh, okay, because you didn't put this tool into your tool bag for the first quarter of 2021. You did for the last quarter of 2020. I'll tell you the specific one for me is that I had a very specific scoreboard of like, this is, this is what I'm trying to hit. And even though I wasn't probably as intentional about having this like weekly scheduled part of it, I had 
accountability with others. Yeah. Specific accountability with people who knew my goal and who were encouraging me along the way that I was reporting into uh, one specific goal was in running. I was communicating with you consistently. I was communicated with our buddy Lebo. Like you guys knew where I was at in my running process. You knew what my goal was and you knew where my like benchmarks were when I hit them. And when I went into 2021, I didn't do that. So I just, I didn't have that. There's one more thing that was great for me in 2020 that going into 2021, I didn't set these things. It talks about in the book, I think this is in around near the end of the book, chapter 15 or so. I think it's in the installing process control chapter, but it tells a story of a kid that's fell out of college and his dad says, hey, let me make a deal with you. If you go back to school and make the dean's list, I'll give you $500. But if you don't make the dean's list, you got to pay me $500. I don't know if that would work for everybody. Now, this kid made the dean's list and his dad gave him $500. I had a negative consequence to not hitting my goal at the end of 2020. And when I set my new goals for 2021, the first quarter, first 12 weeks, I didn't have that negative consequence associated oh, with it. Oh, you didn't have the consequence. I didn't have piece. the consequence. I didn't have the accountability. And accountability mm-hmm. being the, like, you know, weekly check-in with some people that sure. knew my goals, knew, where, knew my benchmarks, knew, knew what the scoreboard needed to look like. I didn't have those two things, and that led to my failure. So I would say for me, it's just really learning the system and fully implementing. And I say fully implementing, like not like everything the system says you have to implement, but everything that you need Every tool that you need What's the to pieces win. you need for your personality? Yes, because I don't yeah. think that you need that same tool. I don't think, right. not to say a negative consequence would like mess with you or mess you up, but you're just naturally someone who executes at a high level. Like you're more driven toward execution and task and achievement than I am naturally. I'm more geared toward like people and influence. So I have to kind of give myself like, hey, if you don't, I can talk myself out of winning. I don't really need that reward anyway. It's not, I can almost like trick myself, manipulate myself into feeling guilty if I did achieve and get the reward because I don't need it. You know, it's kind of like empty plates, feed hungry people kind of bull crap. And uh, so, yeah, so I got to say, all right, well, Josh, if you're willing to commit, instead of just being interested in your goal, commit to your goal, pony up, dude. Put a wager out there. Prove that you're committed to it. Make it it painful. Put some money. Yeah, put something down here, whether it's money or whatever. Like, give yourself a consequence. And so I didn't do that the first quarter, and that, that held me back. So from the implementation standpoint... I'd say, hey, you, you may not you may not land this thing or, or take off perfectly the first time, and that's okay. Like, just lean forward into figuring it out. So that's what I would say for me is like I'm kind of you know somewhat two cycles into this, going into my third, and I'm like, oh, okay, I see where I failed in the last one because I just didn't put enough pieces in place to help me win the first time I did, even even in ignorance, even though I didn't know it all perfectly. Uh, Rain helped walk me through it. So that would be the challenges that I've faced personally. How about yourself? Well, before that, before I go into my side, uh, let's talk about that for a second because we discussed this on a call we had a couple weeks ago. Your plan, you lay out a 12-week plan, and you you lay out a specific strategic intention plan behind what you want to accomplish, but that plan also needs to be fluid. You you were able to see the flaws in your plan and change your plan as you move through this. Now, what you and I talked about during this call is – you have the ability to change a plan to be fluid, but you can't scale down. You don't change yeah. a plan for more comfort. You don't change a plan uh, for things to be easier. You can change the plan and you can adapt the 12-week model to level up or have more consequence or to make your make it more successful. And I think that is the key to the accountability partners, which we'll talk about you know a little further in the episode, uh, is 
knowing that you can change, but it's got to be a change that pushes you to a higher level oh, or to another level of uh, being uncomfortable. There's going to be a piece more. of you that wants to lower your goal or lower the bar for yourself. Yeah. And you just can't let yourself do it. Even if you change your strategy to achieve the goal, you can't be like, I don't know if I can make the goal. Let me lower it. And I wanted to do that. Yeah. You know, like I really yeah. wanted to yeah, do you that. Wanted to, yeah, you wanted but, to um, reset and yeah, adapt I was, it. I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to yeah. negotiate with myself on yeah, how absolutely. I could do that. But yeah, you can't lower the bar for yourself. Uh, you can change your strategy. You can change your plan, but you have to resist the temptation to lower the bar. Just fail. So Just fail. It's okay. So for me, my biggest struggle, this is probably not all that shocking, uh, is this helped me get in my lane and help me run uh, towards the end zone. But also... I want to just because I become excited about it because I've it's what I want what I've laid out what I want to accomplish. I'm so all in. I want to neglect everything else. Oh yeah. I mean I'm I want to. This is a this this is a 12 week plan and a 12 week model to get me to my goals that I want in life three to five years from now. But man, I'm wanting to like quit my job and I want to like stay home today and focus. I get so wound up, and now I'm going in the right direction. But now I want to order five books in this direction. So yeah. I'm instead of just seeing it through and letting it move at the pace I've laid out, I'm trying to like amp it up and speed it up, which is back to zigzagging. I'm chasing, want to go different directions. I've got four books I ordered in the last three weeks. I mean, it's ridiculous. I can't. That's not even part of my plan. I'm going to derail myself because I get too committed or too deep into these directions because uh, I'm excited. So I'm fighting to pull back and like, hey. Stay the course. You've laid out. You've laid out a very challenging plan. You've laid out a model that's pushing uh, to a level I've probably never pushed before in some of these areas. And I'm getting so wound up in it, I'm wanting to just go in further and further. Yeah. And that that's going to be something that would derail me from accomplishing my 12 week goal because <laughs> I get start going down these other directions that are in line with what I want to accomplish, but not what I have laid out. Yeah, Does that so makes sense? yeah, hundred percent. So let's let's talk real quick on. Um, I'm gonna lay out kind of the framework part of the books, not all the chapters or anything like that, but teaches us a couple of ideas. And one is the five disciplines of the twelve week year. So yes. the first thing is the vision, which we talked about. Like you have very clear vision for what you want to achieve. Clear picture of the future. Years. I know. Very clear Boom. picture. What what Chad wants? Yeah. What's, what's, so, what's Chad's win in life? Boom. There it is. So, but you know that you're also you're not going to achieve that vision in the next twelve weeks. So. It's not about achieving the vision in 12 weeks. It's about what can get you toward the vision of yourself three to five years down the road. So the second thing, all right, so vision's important, and you got to be able to attach yourself to it emotionally. you got to be able to attach what you're doing today, how that impacts the person you're going to become. So the second part is you got to create a plan. Again, this isn't the plan to get to the vision because you don't know what you're going to need to do two years down the road, three years down the road. By the way, this was something that was a huge struggle of mine as being someone who's naturally an idea person, I can kind of see the vision, but I can't work. And what I struggle with, Chad, is I'm like, but what will, what will my business need to look like in 24 months? And what decisions will I need to make at 24 months to get to my 36-month goal? And I, I'm like, I can't figure it out. I don't know. And, and this book's like, how could you know? Yeah. How can you know yep. that? That's too far over the horizon. You can't see that far. So, But what can you do in the next 12 weeks to get you to a, what do you believe is possible in the next 12 weeks? that can get you closer to that vision of the future. And it allows you to pinpoint the clarity and focus behind 12-week planning. I can clearly see what I need to do for the next 12 weeks. And everything else, for me, for my side, is say no, say no, say no, say no. Do not derail that. Don't think about 24 months. Don't think about this other venture over here. Don't think about this other easy money opportunity or whatever it may be. 
say no, say no, clarity and focus, pinpoint the planning for the 12 weeks. It is rock climbing, man. I, I use this analogy often, oh, but it good. is rock climbing, yeah. right? It's like, all right, you can't see the top of the rock that you're climbing. You can't see the top of the mountain, but you can probably see a couple of, of grips ahead. That's the whole thing. It's like, you can't see the whole mountain, man, but can you see like where you need to go in three or four grips? That's all it is. So the vision, I'm trying to get to the top of the mountain. The planning is, all right, where can I get in the 12, next 12 weeks? Now, again, the great part of this is that you don't have as much time as you think that you have, right? <laughs> That's right. You don't have as much time as you think that you have. And when you shrink the amount of time that you have, it forces you to make decisions. It sucks. My Fridays are like December. I'm like, oh my God, I got five tasks left. I got to cram all this yeah. in before the end of my week. Yeah, and that's the great thing. Again, it's, it sucks. It's painful to do this. Yes. But it's painful for a purpose. It is forcing you to make decisions you need to make if you want to win. So vision and then creating your plan. Creating a plan, which is going to be, again, you can't move the needle on 55 different areas. You have to choose. These are the three things or these are the five things I'm going to focus on for the next 12 weeks. All right, third thing is process control. So it's great to have a plan. I'm really good at having a goal chat. Oh, here's my vision. Here's my goal. And here's my plan to get there. And then being like, by the way, nobody turned the lights on on the, on the, on the scoreboard here. Like, there's no like process for getting that. I'm not I really draw it out like this is how I'm going to mandate these things are happening. So I get lost here. But I think this is probably an area where you're like succeed on a consistent basis anyway. Interestingly enough, yes and no. Like in things that... I don't have a long-term focus goal on necessarily. If it's just daily task, I can put it in my calendar and I can succeed here on the process control. Now, where I don't connect or I'm unable to connect the dots a lot of times is my long-term plan and my daily task or my daily calendar options. What this book has been able to do is bring all that together in two places, which are huge for me, is the weekly scorecard. Again, I'm, I'm grading myself. I'm my own teacher on my own accountability. I lay out uh, my, my scorecard. I graded each week. I either passed or failed. And buddy, there's no way I'm going to fail. No freaking way. And then the accountability side. This is this book has accountability partners. You have accountability groups. And you have people to answer to. You have to share your scorecard every week. You have to share how you're doing. You share your struggles. And that's a whole nother level of bringing that process control. So now I'm using the tools I've been successful with in, with in the past, which is daily doing things, my calendar. And now I've added a weekly scorecard and an accountability group, which sounds miserable, but I am so freaking excited every week to talk to everybody in our group, to get on a weekly Zoom, to have these accountability meetings because we're pushing ourselves, we're celebrating our successes. And we're really good in our group on not – having things that are easily achievable. We want something to fail every week, and it's got to be somewhere you push that was really uncomfortable. Not, oh, I didn't work out this week, or oh, I didn't do this, or this small thing at work. It is, what did you do that was really hard and crazy and had a really low percentage of success, and you tried it and failed? And guess what we're learning? 50% of those things we think we're going to fail at, that there's zero chance of success, uh, is succeeding, is winning, is turning out to be a success instead of a failure every week because we're getting uncomfortable because we're pushing ourselves. So 
the process control behind the scorecard and the weekly accountability meetings and groups are, are a level that I have never engaged in from an implementation standpoint. Yeah, and that's the, the cool part about so the five disciplines. Vision, number one. Planning, number two. Process control is number three, and it goes into the scorekeeping. They kind of go together. But, yeah, so process control is like, hey, you, you got to score your week, right? So you, you yeah. got to know how to score your week. So again, you got to figure out all right, what sport are, what sport are we playing here? We got twelve innings in this baseball game we're playing, and it's like how do we keep score? So process control is a piece of that. It's also a piece of you got to have in order to score your week, you have to have a plan for your week, right? So it goes into the next the previous thing. What's your plan? How are you going to activate your plan? How are you going to take action? And then the process of again accountability from from peer encouragement, like who's looking at the scoreboard with you. Is it just you looking at it by yourself, or do you got a couple other sets of eyes that are saying, "Ooh, Chad, you didn't score any points that inning or that quarter or whatever it may have been, right? And so process control goes with scorekeeping. This is keeping you, um, I say accountable. To it. You own your own goal. You own your own plan. This is your this is your 12 weeks, man. It's your time. Like, you own it, but you need some encouragement. You know, You need to know that you're not in the game by yourself. This is a huge piece of it, in my opinion. This is why this is why programs like Weight Watchers have been around forever and they work, is because there's a team that's supporting you. This is why AA works, because there's a team that's supporting you. It's part of controlling the process. So scorekeeping is that next thing. Again, it's just, just you don't want people that are going to beat you up about what your score is. You want people that are going to urge you on. Like, hey, man, remember what the vision was? All right, let's get back to the plan. Like, it's just keeping score isn't about... I think here's the sucky part about it. Let me say it this way. Nobody wants to fail. Yeah. Nobody wants to lose. And so when we set goals, we can get emotional about feeling like, oh, it's hard. And I don't know if I can hit it. I didn't know if I could hit that one goal I had. I really didn't know. I don't, I don't know if I can hit it or not. But we want to not fail. And so most of the time, most of us will give up. So it, it also changes what's being measured like for us in our accountability group and our, our weekly uh, zooms it's not about the measurement is also not about did you succeed or fail we've changed the narrative did you i want to hear about something you tried so hard you are guaranteed to fail my score part of your score is did you try something hard enough to fail the failure is the win because you pushed yourself to do something. And it talks about it in the book. I've never seen it from this angle. It says accountability is not consequence. Accountability is ownership. Mm-hmm. I am owning my time. I'm owning what I'm doing. I'm owning what I say I'm going to do. Not only what I say I'm going to do, what I've told you, I want to accomplish the most important thing in my life. I've got to own that. Yeah. And the consequence is a piece of it, but that's not accountability. Accountability is showing up and you have done the things that you have challenged yourself and your group has challenged you to do to get to the one thing that you want. Not any you're not doing this for anybody else. And I think that's something really cool and And you're right. That's that's what's so so important about having people with you is that they're not holding you accountable, quote unquote, right? No. Because it's your deal, man. You own it, Chad. Either you do it or you don't do it. Like, I'm just here to say this is what the score is. I mean, I'm just here to make you say, like, tell me the score. But I'm not holding you accountable. I'm just It's just like if we're on, we're we're on, a, fo- if we're on a football team together and you drop a pass. Again, that I'm over here 
blocking or throwing the ball. Yeah. That's not my department. <laughs> and I'm not the one that look bad looks bad, but you feel like you've let the team down. Yes. You've you've had something you didn't accomplish that kind of ripple effects from an ownership standpoint like man if i'd have caught that my whole team could have won or yeah and i let myself down and i let my team down and that's that feeling i'm getting here with this that i haven't felt in a long time of a, it's almost like a team sport i think that's really yeah cool. and it sucks if you if you like if you're scared of losing and so you're not putting up the because of that it's like derailing your ability to put points on the scoreboard you don't want to go to that weekly accountability group no. meeting, right but if you're like, no, I'm committed to this, chat. I'm going to win here. Dude, we need a first down. You caught yes. the ball and and uh, you t- t- caught a three-yard out. That's not – you haven't moved the chains. We yeah. didn't accomplish anything here. So, yes, that push for bigger, longer, better things. The people that want to – the people that believe they, they're going to win like looking at the scoreboard. <laughs> You know yes, what I'm saying? Absolutely. I'm going to look up there and see how many points I got. Yeah. So it's just that, that accountability group – Helps with that. And the last thing, so the, the, the five disciplines. So there's vision, number one, planning, number two, process control, number three, scorekeeping, number four. And number five is time use. We've talked about that often here, is that when you have bunched your time, your year isn't 12 months now, or your year is 12 weeks, you have to really figure out how to utilize your time. And you realize very quickly, I waste a lot of time. Yes. Or I, and I say waste. It doesn't mean that it's not something that's important. It's not. It doesn't mean that it's not something you shouldn't do. It just means that moving the needle toward accomplishing what you want to accomplish, you'll find that I am, I'm working on a lot of things. The average person, even the overachiever, is probably working in a lot of different areas that aren't moving the needle forward in the areas they want to move the needle forward. They're moving the needle forward in 15 different areas. But it's like, yeah, but these three are the ones you said were the most important to you. We're only keeping score in these three areas. So the other 12 things that you did... Kudos Dude, to you, buddy. Don't matter. But they don't don't matter. matter today. Those That's are right. all foul ball. I mean, you hit that ball to the third deck, but it was foul. It didn't yep. count, right? It's a strike against you. It's a negative thing against you. So those are the five disciplines. The three principles, you just mentioned one of them, is accountability. Accountability is not a consequence. If I'm holding you accountable, it doesn't mean that I'm going to give you a spanking if you don't do it right. No, it's ownership, man. You're accountable. You own the plan. You own the vision. You own the results. Am I going to do what I said I'm going to do? I'm just here Am to ask you a question. Am I going to accomplish what I said? That's right. It, just here to ask you a question. That's it. Are you going to catch the ball next time, Chad? Are you going to drop it again? It's up to you, man. I don't care. Do I need to take you out of the game? I am. Do you want to get on dude. the bench, or do you want to get back out there? Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'm nervous as all freaking get out. Oh my god, they're going to hit me another ball. Am I going to catch it? It's all of those feelings. Yep. But you're back in the game. Yep. You going back out next inning or yeah, not? You're right. And you're thinking, man, I hope they hit me when I got to die for now. I got to prove myself. Yes. I need to. So it's yeah, it's the accountability side so, is. All comes back to ownership, which is it. a unique angle that I've never realized before that, that I'm, I'm loving as a part of this. Yeah, so second principle. So first principle is accountability. The second principle is commitment. We talked mm-hmm. about that earlier. How are you interested in this? Chad, are you interested in catching the ball? Or are you committed to catching the ball? If you're interested in catching the ball, then you might watch YouTube videos of people catching the ball. If you're committed to catching the ball, you're staying late for practice. After practice, you're there. You're, you're like, there. Somebody's throwing, you're like, hey, man, I need you to stay and throw me the ball some more because you're committed to doing it. So it's being able to focus again on these are the things I'm going to commit to and accomplish versus just being interested in stuff. And I think it's really easy to commit to something. And I think this, this is why this program is so successful and also pushes you. I think it's really easy to commit to something for a day or for a week, maybe even a month. I think it's next to impossible to commit to something for a year. But this 12-week scenario this 12-week model it's really hard to commit to something for 12 weeks 
but it's really doable. And that brings that together. And this is where that it comes in. You mentioned this earlier. Committed for me means don't negotiate my goals. There is no chance of not accomplishing the things I have down. There is no chance of like negotiating or convincing myself I want anyway. It is, if I'm committed, this is going to happen. Like I am going to block out enough time. I'm going to put in enough strategic effort. I am going to accomplish this. And that's what I'm seeing. Hopefully you're seeing the same thing. Strategic plan and time control equals results every time. And we just don't do it. We don't do it in what we want. And so, yeah, I, commitment is is there in, in the big piece of this that allows you to really accomplish uh, what you're trying to achieve in the 12 weeks. Yeah, man. And again, you know, going back to that, what what commitment truly means, what, what does it mean to decide? It means that you're choosing one thing over another. You can't commit, you can't be committed in 15 different areas, like especially not for 12 weeks. You got to narrow it down and you got to say, this is where I'm going to move the needle forward in my life over the next 12 weeks. This is what's going to look like. I'm going to go from this point on the graph to this point on the graph. That is the win. Like this is success. This is what it means. This is what I'm committed to. I'm committed to moving from here, from point A to point B. And I can do it in maybe one or two or three areas of my life, but I can't do it in 50. So I got to commit to something and that requires decommitting for some other things. Now the third principle, I think this is one of my favorite. This is what we, we think this is something different than it is. But the third principle is greatness in the moment. Now, when we So see this is greatness, your favorite part? Because I'm excited. This is my favorite part of the whole thing, yeah. the whole process. So because I'm, we, we, we haven't recognize, talked about this yet. So we yeah. haven't talked about it. We recognize greatness, greatness when we see greatness. So Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl again. We're like the GOAT. Like, right? He's the, the greatest of all time. The guy, no argument. You he's, can't challenge He's old. Him. He just... You cannot quit. Like, he's accountable. He owns the results. He's committed. Oh, obviously he's committed. And he's just great, man. We look at him like, man, he is great. But when you celebrate greatness, it's not when greatness is made. It's when, great, when greatness is recognized, it's not when greatness is made. Again, Rain saying this, said this for years, and it's kind of funny, and even people like kind of poke fun at this, but it's be great today. The principle is greatness in the moment. Can you show up every single day and move the needle forward? in these different areas. Jim Collins wrote a book, Good to Great, right? Most of us are okay with good. Most of us are comp- confident, comfortable with good. Greatness just requires a little bit more consistently compounded over time. Nobody, would, Everybody would say, most people would say, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time in the sport of football. Nobody would say Tom Brady is the most talented football player ever. Does that make no, sense? Absolutely not. Lots no. of people more skilled, more athletic than Tom Brady. But he's the greatest of all time because he chose to be great every single day. He so, made decisions every single day that were yes. choosing greatness over status quo, over average, over goodness. Was he perfect? No, he just chose great daily for more often than most people would. And you can do this in any part of life. That's the that's the exciting thing. This is why it's my favorite part of this process. The greatness in the moment, the whole key to it is doing things you need to do even if you don't feel like it. That's Oh, that's it. That's great, dude, right? I have a weekly scorecard. I have nine things on this list I have to get done every week. I have busy days. I have bad days. I have sick days. I have things going on in life that's trying to derail me. There is everything getting thrown under the sun at you every single week. But greatness in the moment 
is doing the things you've laid out to do anyway. Doing things even when you don't want to do it. Man, I only got five hours of sleep last night. My dog was up all night. My baby was up all night. I'm supposed to get up and accomplish these things at 5.30 a.m. That's greatness in the moment. Doing it anyway, not finding excuses, not negotiating those goals. Let me tell you something. Hold on now. Tom Brady. You talk about Tom Brady. Everybody can see it. Greatness in the moment is getting in the zone. And people can see it in Tom Brady's eyes. And there's two minutes left to go, and it's a playoff game or it's a Super Bowl, and they're down and he needs to score. You see see him in the zone. What you don't see is he goes there about five times a week in practice. Yep. And he's showing up in the zone ready to perform. That is what I love about this process. I'm showing up every day for an hour or whatever I have blocked out for my 12-week year, and I am in the zone ready to perform. It is my most valuable time. I have a cup of coffee. I close the doors. I turn everything else off. I am Tom Brady focused in the zone, and I'm ready to crush what I want in life. And the results are magnified because of it. Oh, yeah, man. So you're right. Like, what makes this guy better than Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Brett Favre, these other athletes that are more talented than he was? They had more just natural skill than Tom Brady has. And I think it's those things, right? It's daily, probably, I would assume the guy probably has a visualization technique that he practices every day where he sees himself in the last two minutes of the game winning the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Because why does he win it every time? It's not because his team's more talented. He's been there a thousand freaking times. He's just, this is where I am, mind. man. Yeah. I just two minutes left. I'm about to crush y'all. Where I'm about to win. The other team is scared. Right, the whole deal. So I'm going to tell you something where I choose mediocrity over greatness on a consistent thing because I want to focus on how small it can be. Like just the choice. This is a choice between being decent and being great. Very rarely will I take the time to stretch before and after a run. It's it's boring. It's dull. I don't do it. Anybody that's a runner would say like, "You're hurting yourself." I mean. You stretch. You're 40 years old, man. Stretch. It takes how much time does it take to stretch before run, John? Uh, five minutes. Five minutes, right? Five minutes of your time. Yeah. Five minutes. So if you're gonna go for a three, four, five mile run, and you're whatever average oh, guy, percentage wise, that's tiny. Yeah. I mean, you want you want to go run for 30 minutes, or can you run for 30, or can you be invest 35 minutes? <laughs> exactly. And repetitively, I'm like, I don't want. To, I'm just bored with it, Chad. And so I choose. I'm still going for a run, right? I'm doing more yeah. than the average person's doing. Justify it. It's good, but it's the difference between good and great. I could, I could like achieve. What, I'm not going to be a world class runner. I'm not from Kenya here. Like nobody's trying to sponsor me, so I'm not looking for greatness there. But greatness for me, I'm cho- I'm not choosing it in those moments because it's just a little bit extra. It's not some crazy big thing that has to. Now it, it can look that way eventually. Like I think Tom Brady now, you've looked at his life. You go, whoa, that dude lives in a way nobody else lives on a daily basis. But he didn't 20 years ago. There was just small little incremental changes. Well, he's got a story. That, but I know we're going to – you can't talk about greatness these days without talking about Tom Brady. He was working out, and his arm was sore. He's a football player. He does the football for a living. Like, he can't have, a, he don't, can't have his arm messed up. And so he studied. He found this guy. And he's like, hey, well, yeah, man, here's the reason your arm's getting sore. It's because you're working out like this, and you should be working out like this. And so he changed it. He changed the way he worked out his arms. He made his forearms basically like, instead of the muscle being bulky, he made the muscle longer. And his tendonitis pain went away. But it was just like a minutia of detail. So, hey, you just need to alter that. Nobody does that. But he just, okay, let me make that little change. He chose greatness again yeah. in the moment. Just, that wasn't something that happened the two minutes at the end of the Super Bowl. No. That happened in some random day training 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And had Absolutely. he not been that focused on just getting a little bit better. Greatness in the moment. He would have retired 10 years ago. Absolutely. He'd have, his arm would have burned out like most people's Absolutely. do. So those are the five, all right, the five <laughs> disciplines, vision, planning, process control, scorekeeping, and time use, the three principles, accountability, commitment, and greatness in the moment. Now, Chad, let's wrap up the episode with this. Like, just kind of one key final takeaway, if you could leave for somebody and say, look, this is an area that you need, like, this is my favorite part, or this is an area you got to focus on. If, when you pick up the book, go here. What would you leave our audience with from whatever it is, really just whatever you want to say about the 12-week year, the process, the book, the information, what would you leave them with? Okay, so I'll leave you with a few things. For me, all this came to a reality. All this started happening and was just the one of the biggest snowballs of momentum I've ever experienced in my life is because we had accountability groups, because we had a group around us, because we had a coaching program around it that, that we're engaged in and that we're teaching. And so we're not only we're having to learn and implement, we're having to learn and implement enough so we can share with other people. And, and that takes that education to a higher level of the time I'm spending on it. I know other people are depending on me to deliver things every week in my accountability group and with this coaching part of this program. So it allowed me to have the tools to implement everything involved. I went through, I thought I was checking a box. There's a 12-week participation workbook. I said, you know what? It's a Sunday. I can probably fly through this 14 pages in about 30 minutes. It spoke to me so much. I spent two and a half hours working on this 12-week participation workbook. Like it, it engaged me to a level of my future and things I wanted that I've never spent that much time around before. So there's that piece. That guided me through the whole process. That got me excited. I reflect back on it every single week. And then there's the weekly plan and scorecard. I have to fill it out every week. I have to submit it to my accountability partners. I have to score myself every week. I am excited to talk about it every week and excited to engage in where I failed, where I succeeded, what I'm doing the next week. And the crazy thing is this thing's becoming more fluid because I'm getting feedback from everyone involved in the process of, hey, have you thought about this? Or you may can try this, or this is your goal. I know this person that can help you with that. So things are starting to line up and really just snowball. So uh, my biggest piece of advice is read the book, but that's not near enough. Read the book and do everything you can get your hands on. Do the participation workbook, do the weekly scorecard, do the weekly accountability groups. Put all this together, take some responsibility with what you want in your life and the tools you need to make that happen. Just like for you, you need that consequence piece. I need these pieces because I can show up every day and do things, but I'm going to get off going zigzag and go in different directions. Now, to back it up for, for a second and, and go from greatness in the moment to envisioning greatness, this is something surprisingly I struggle with. Um, I, For me, it surprised me. I am task-oriented. I'm day-to-day-to-day. If I need to run a marathon, I can lay out my five-month daily schedule, and every day I show up and do those things. But it's hard for me to envision greatness. I, I can be great in the moment. I can't envision what greatness looks like down the road or ask the right questions. This helped me do that in the, the chapter and in the participation work, talking about envisioning greatness. It it taught me to ask the right questions to get me there. And I'll give you an example I'll share with everybody. Um, for me, one of my life goals is 
I want to live in Charleston 75% of the time and Athens 25% of the time. I want to be tax season based in Athens. I want to spend a lot of my time the rest of the year in Charleston and be back and forth. Um, right now, it's the reverse. I spend 75% of my time in Athens, 25 in Charleston. Well, that is really hard for me to envision. And I don't, I'm kind of lost as to how I would accomplish that each week. And that seems like it's somewhat of an impossible goal because I meet with clients and we have businesses together and it's just I'm involved in the community. And so that is a burden or an obstacle that I just couldn't see past. Well, this 12-week yearbook gently walks me through that process. It says, okay, you're going to live in Charleston 75% of the year and Athens in 20, that, and you want to work 20 hours a week. Man, that sounds impossible, don't it? I'm like, yeah, I know. And it's like, okay, let's, let's, have, let's just talk for a second. You know, what if, what could happen how, what something just, let's just brainstorm. What could happen to make that just possible? And I'm like, well, if I could delegate about 70% of my work, if I had a couple rental properties generating some income, if I, man, if I could become a speaker and I was paid to speak, uh, if I was able to take my content and 20 years experience and build some courses around it. Like I could replace my income from my day-to-day work and I could be more of a business owner. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's, that sounds like that's hard, but possible. And it's like, all right, how, if that's possible, how might I make it probable? Like how could I turn it from possible to probable? Like how would I do those things and what would be the logistics behind it? And I'm like, oh, okay, let me think about that. Well, I could hire two more CPAs. I could hire some sort of COO or HR person to help manage everybody here in the office. Man, if I could book 10 speaking gigs a year and get paid 10 grand each, that'd be 100 grand worth of income. Um, If I could figure out like a way to own an Airbnb in Charleston, that would be in the place I wanted to be and generate some income. And it's like, okay, so if you've done those three or four things, like, that's pretty much guarantee you'd get your life goal, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, if I could do those. And it's like, well, there you go. We just laid out envisioning greatness in the future for you. And this book just gently and comfortably walked me through the process, and I've never been able to do that before. So that it gives me just goosebumps talking about it because it was able to put something into a perspective and steps and just ask me the right questions where I, I didn't get spooked, I didn't bail, I didn't – Oh my God, that's too much. I'm too stressed. It it gently walked me through to all of a sudden I'm where I want to be and I easily see the way to get there. And it again, it turns something that's a 10-year plan into I could probably do this in two years if I really focused on it every day. So. It, it's so interesting you say that because it's a perfect segue for what my biggest takeaway from the book was. This is the thing I got most excited about and it was just explaining a concept they call the emotional cycle of change. And this is why people give up is because it, there's five phases. The first phase is uninformed optimism. A lot of times people are going to try something new and it's like, yeah, that's going to be exciting. That's going to be fun. Here's my New Year's resolutions, Chad. Here's what I'm going to do in 2021 that's going to make my life different and better. And you're excited about it because you're making a good decision for yourself and you're fired up. But the second phase is informed pessimism. This is your third day at the gym and you're sore. And it was, You're not seeing any results. Yeah, my God, my God, this just sucks, man. It's 5.45 in the morning. I'm tired. And like it's, it, you realize at first, you're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be my year. 
and in a couple, you know, a couple of days or a couple of weeks, depending on the person, and you're like, man, this is this is hard, man. Like this this isn't fun. This sucks. And then the third phase is the valley of despair, and this is where people quit. Right? They're just like, man, I'm not seeing the progress. I'm paying this cost. Like I'm, you know. Well, I don't know, man, and you're in that little voice in your head. You been like, oh, yeah. you could be in bed right now, man. You, you could probably be. need a rest day. You should sleep in yes. anyway. Yeah, yeah, all the things is like you're just this ain't gonna work. Let's, Chad, this may work for other people, but it's not gonna work for you. Just, just, just give up. Valley of despair is what gets most people. But if you continue going, so like up until that point, you're kind of like going downhill in a, in a bad way. But if you keep going, you start. You eventually start to see a little bit of fruit on the tree, and then it's informed optimism. Now you're able to see like, hey, I'm. These things are working. It's a lead measure, lead measure and lag measure, right? Like you got to put in, you got to plant the seeds first. You got to cultivate the ground. You got to pour some water, shine some light before you can expect to reap any type of harvest. And so at a certain point, you're starting to see like, hey, man, look right there, Chad. Look at that soil. Do I see something? Something's coming out, man. There's some, <laughs> something's happening. <laughs> you get a little, and you get, in, you get informed and you get optimistic because you see that there's, there's going to be some fruit on the tree. And then that fifth phase is success and fulfillment. It's where you're like, it's the end of the 12 weeks. And you're able to look back and see it was worth it. Like, I stay committed and made a difference. I made progress. And look, I mean, this doesn't matter if you, quote unquote, won your 12 weeks or not. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. did you do everything you wanted to accomplish in the 12 weeks? Maybe maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But are you in a different, better spot now than you were 12 weeks ago when you started? And so it's that emotional cycle of change. As funny as it is, the system, everything about it is when it comes down to it. It's emotional. The whole thing is just emotional. Like, it's a rational, logical system that's geared toward helping you get through this thing emotionally. You said it. These are what my goals are. I can't get those goals, at least not in this time frame. And it's like... Hey, well, how about we just suspend belief for a second? Let's just alter your emotional state and say, well, what if, Chad? And that what if thing, just, okay, what if I was going to do it? Now, here's what, what it might look like. So instead of saying, how are you going to do it? I had all the answers all along. How are you going to do it? And that's what, before you believe it's possible, you don't know how you're going to do it. Why would I waste my time figuring out how I can do this thing, which is unachievable? I had a phone call conversation last week with a business associate of mine. And he was calling and telling me, hey, man, I've been thinking about some things. And the goals that you set, that you share with me, are impossible. <laughs> not improbable. Impossible. Not difficult. Not hard. In my 20 years experience, I've never seen this happen. 80% of your goal would be a miracle. These are the words. 80% of your goal would be a miracle. This is impossible. It can't be done. And armed with this stuff, also, I, I kid you not, I said, well, I don't agree, but let's talk about it. What do you believe is possible? Well, but what if, hey, what if, what if, Asking what if, questions. at yeah. the end of the conversation, 30 minutes later, this individual who told me that my plan and my goal was impossible, what 80% would be a miracle if it happened, <laughs> was giving me the plan we needed to have <laughs> to hit the goal. Because in that 30 minutes of time, he came up with a better plan than I had, but he started off with, this is impossible. So it's emotional to change, my friends. This 12-week year will help you navigate through some of those emotions. And should you be willing to commit, to decide enough to where you'll tell some other people about it? Hey, man, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. Um, let's talk once a week to hold each other accountable toward chasing down what we want to chase. Then you, could, you too could live in Charleston like the serial CFO 75% of the time. <laughs> 
much sooner than you think. Absolutely. It can happen for you. You just got to believe, man. But, you know, that idea of, of being able to suspend belief for a second, don't let your emotional you know, belief and limitations hold you back. Start asking yourself some good questions. Realize emotion is a part of the game, and you can navigate a better future for yourself than maybe you thought you could. Five minutes ago, it's possible. It's definitely possible. And and here is something else that, that's just a, a cherry on top of everything we're talking about here. Have you ever had more fun implementing or doing something in your life than we are right now in this this program, in this process? I will tell you. I man. am loving it, man. I love talking about it. I love showing up for it. It's that, I say anxiety, but that like nervous type of energy of being able to be like, I think I'm capable of this. I don't know when the last I time I, I do it. really pushed myself and pushed myself with a team and like had that celebration and accountability. It's it's fun. It, it's I crave it. I'll say this, man. So again, uh, my three areas that I had for my first 12 weeks. So I had three things I was trying to hit, and two of the things I like just it was like I was driving in a um, what do you call it crash derby. You know, those, they put the things together and the cars just all running. I was like coming across the finish line like I've been in a crash derby with two of my two goals. So I hit them, but it was like there were <laughs> cars on fire. There's a lot of failure. Yeah, I didn't like drive up in a new Lexus. Let's just say it that way. It was, you know, like rolling. There's a big oil drip stain going all behind me the whole way. But one of those goals, Jab, I hit it. And it was a physical fitness goal. And like, I gave everything I had and in the process of doing it, I was being like failure, you know, uh, should I give up or quit? Should I like double or nothing for the next 12 weeks? But I hit it and I was just, I was just proud of myself for days to the point where I told my wife, my Kim, I don't think I should be this proud (laughs) for this accomplishment. I was like, I just feel such, such a sense of joy because I challenged myself and I won. And so even though the second 12 weeks, I didn't win, I failed. I didn't beat myself up and be like, I'm a loser. I was like, no, I'm going to win again. I'm a winner, man. I, I want to win. I know I can win. So I, what did I do wrong that time? Like, how do I need to? So I tried. I failed. What do I need to adjust for this next one? I mean, I'm more excited about this one than I just started than I was the first one. Right. And so yeah. it's just a very fun, exciting way to live, to put something out there and see like, do I got what it takes? Because overwhelmingly, if you're listening to this, you do. You do have what it takes. You just got to put yourself out there a little bit and run after it and get some uh, get some encouragers along the way to cheer you on. And not only do you have what it takes, you want it. Oh, you're yes. listening to this. You're, you're bettering yourself. You're reading these books. You're listening to these podcasts because you want it. It's what you want, and you got to tune out everything else. Focus on what you want. Action items, Josh. Where does our audience go from here? What do they need to do right now to take action to start pursuing this process? If you had not got the book yet, buy the book, The 12-Week Year. Um, I know you can get it from the author's website. I think it's 12weekyear.com. I'm sure you can get it at Amazon, wherever books are sold. Uh, do that. Get the book. If you're, I would, I'm a butterfly brain type of guy. Like, I have a hard time staying on one thing. So I have this book on Audible, and I have a physical copy. And I, like, listen to the Audible copy while I was reading it and highlighting stuff. This book is the most highlighted book that I have. But action item, um, if you are an Audible listener, Still buy the physical copy, physical copy of the book. Do both. It's one of those books that you need to be focused when you're going through it because it truly can change your life. So buy the book if you don't have it. That's my takeaway. All right. If you read the book and you're engaged and you want to move forward, reach out to me. I have PDFs uh, of the participation worksheet of the weekly plan and scorecard. It's easy. Chad at SerialCFO.com. 
shoot me an email. I'll give you all the tools. I'll email them to you. I'll get you started. Um, we can share in this journey. Uh, I'm excited to come to you in a few weeks, give you updates on how we're doing and what's happening in week six or seven of this 12-week uh, year. Uh, thank you all for listening. I hope this has been extremely valuable to you. Go out and crush it. Figure out what you want. Implement your 12-week year and continue to win over and over and push yourselves. Have an awesome rest of the week, and we'll see you next week. If you're a fan of the Entrepreneur Adventure podcast, we would love to hear about it. You can leave us a review right here on your favorite podcast app. You can subscribe to the podcast, or you can find us on Instagram at The Entrepreneur Adventure. Until next time, thank you for joining us.